the Fire Within podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within community. This is the Fire Within podcast, where we talk about all things health, nutrition, and fitness related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co-host, Joe. Hello. I'm fully caffeinated and ready for this. Is that your new catchphrase? Yes. <laughs> I'm excited about today's show. It's just going to be us two goobers gabbing. It's a solo cast. Woohoo! Yeah, and I don't know as much about the science as you do, but I'm really excited. And I think some of this might be... Well, just remember that we're not in a visual thing. So I'll just be asking questions for clarity. Because if, if you haven't done a lot of studying of human anatomy and stuff like me, then I got you. I'll help, I'll help this episode make more <laughs> sense. But I'm excited to talk about this. So you're working on a new a training thing. that we Strength training course. A new strength training course. And, and we've been demoing it, you and I. We're four weeks in. And uh, the first month, we did a lot of this type of training. And uh, I'll tell you what, I was sore. Oh, yeah. Uh, sore, good sore. Like I was building muscle. And we did the fat pinchy testing thing. And, and I think we, I think it's clear that we made significant progress for a month. No, absolutely. So for, for the listeners, they don't know what we're talking about yet. What are we talking about today, Joe? Okay. We're talking about a type of training. I'm not the science person. We're talking about (laughs) eccentric training. Eccentric training. That's right. There's all kinds of training techniques and tons of ways to challenge the body. And in our strength training program, we've used different types in month one. And the first week was isometric. Let's talk about that just for a second. And an isometric strength exercise, typically there's no movement, but the muscle is contracted. Something most people can identify is if they've ever done a wall squat where you just yeah. have to hold and the quads start shaking like jello after a while. That's an example of an isometric. I love those because they build stability around the joint and give a different type of strength perspective that we don't always get dynamically through. So some of the ones that were like wall squats are challenging, but also like we would get halfway down on a curl and then hold it there for five seconds. And then that was the set, right? That was this one. Or, or building it as a ladder even. So you hold for one count on the first oh, yeah, rep. yeah, that's the way we did. That and you hold crazy. for two counts on the second and you build that ladder up to 10. It ends up being like 56 seconds of isometric tension plus the concentric and the eccentric. But basically whatever exercise or muscle you're working on, imagine like stopping when it's really hard hanging out there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one type of training. And again, I think that's really important for joint stability. So we included that as the focus in week one. I think it's the most challenging in terms of how it feels. It was a heck of a kickoff to a new workout platform. And you and I work out regularly than we have been for years. So it's not like we were starting from nothing, but it was still tough. Yeah, it was flipping hard, man. So then there's two other components. You have the concentric and the eccentric. Let's talk about that. Now, some people go, doesn't concentric mean like a circle in a circle would be concentric? Yes, that's one definition for concentric. But when it has to do with muscle, if you were to look at muscle fiber under a microscope, you have what's called these cross bridging of something called actin, which is a type of protein, and myosin. And and these are parts of the muscle fiber. And when... We do the concentric part of the lift. That's the lifting difficult portion to the intended muscle group. So let's take a bicep curl, for instance. If you're lifting the weight up, squeezing the bicep, making it tight, that's the concentric portion. And we're actually shortening those muscle fibers. So that's the concentric portion of the lift. So the concentric portion of a deadlift. Correct. Because the target, even though it does work both sides of the legs, the quads, hamstrings, and the glutes, the intended target of a deadlift is primarily posterior, which and is going to be hamstrings pressing, and it would glutes. Be the, it would be 
away from your body and up. Because if the intended muscle you're trying to work out is the chest, it gets shorter and bunched up and contracted as you press up. That's the concentric portion of the lift. And if you're doing skull crushers or cable to work the triceps, it's... While lifting up. It's going up. Because you're shortening the tricep muscle as the elbow extends into lockout. So that's the concentric. So the second week... we we did lower weight for that, right? For, for the concentric? Yeah. I think we ended up doing some drop sets on some of them. So if you can sustain the same weight, do it. But if you're not challenged toward the end, go up. But I, there was many workouts where we ended up dropping five pounds on subsequent sets. Yeah. So if we did three sets of... It was because you had us doing like 400 sets or whatever it was. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. It's not that... All these workouts were done in about 45 minutes or less, and they were designed that way. So they're all doable. You just adjust the weight to your difficulty level to where you're at now. But so the concentric portion, you can slow down the way up. The reason concentric is helpful for building muscle is it increases the strength, power, and efficiency of the existing muscle fiber. So the muscle fiber you already have. So what we did, you said slow down. What we did for a majority of the sets was that we did five count on the concentric, like taking five to get up there and then just regular on the way down. Yeah, one to two counts on the way down on the eccentric. What that did too is it introduced a topic I hadn't heard much about, but like the time under tension. Like right. the amount of time that you're flexing. So imagine we did we did a set of 10 where we were doing five seconds on the way up. That's 50 seconds. Of contractual. Of contractual concent- stuff. Or concentric. Tension. Whereas if you're just regular work. 10 to 15 seconds maybe. Yeah, on a, on a set, set of 10. So you're talking really 5X. And it felt 5X harder. <laughs> but it was still doable. Yeah. But you just felt like you were being more efficient with your time working out. And not having to just do 500 sets of something. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So that was the week two's focus. And then week three, uh, we emphasized the eccentric or the stretch portion. Yeah. And that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah. Now, let's quickly talk about why it's effective at building muscle and how it differs from the concentric. Let's go back to our bicep curl example. So the way up was concentric, the way down, stretching it is eccentric. We talked about it being important for the existing muscle to get stronger and more efficient at recruiting muscle to lift it up. That's what concentric is great for. Well, eccentric is what actually creates micro tears in the muscle and a growing gains. gains. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So uh, what's critical to grow new muscle is actually in those micro tears. When we have those micro tears during the eccentric portion, when we rest properly, eat enough protein and drink enough water, like our top five video on Instagram, um, for muscle building, if we're getting a correct recovery after the eccentric damage is done, it signals the body to release growth hormone to rebuild that area and make it stronger. Also boosting your metabolism. And let me give you like a real world example just for me. I, I tried really hard to eat the fire within ways. It was eating stuff off of the off of the list and being good. Definitely following the 80-20 principle of just following the eating right on 80% of the time and maybe having cheat days. But I, I didn't go nuts on cheat days. And so we did that for four weeks and my chest grew by what, like an inch and a half? Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, which is, that's significant for a guy my size. Yeah, and your body fat went down too. Yeah, so I just, lost like a percent and a half of my body fat. Yeah, which is excellent because pretty accelerated body fat loss for a regular exerciser is anywhere from a quarter percent a week to half a percent a week. And you were closer to that half a percent a week. So the methodology we used for tracking our progress from a body compositional standpoint, we did tape measures. We also did pinch calipers, which you can get very inexpensively. I think I paid $14 for mine. Man, these things are uncomfortable. Oh, they're not great. Like the instructions, find a terrible place on your body. Pinch really hard. (laughs) 
Now, and there's all kinds of pinch folds you can go for. There's the three-point Jackson Pollock test, which is what we used. And there's also a seven-point test. Is Jackson Pollock the painter? That's a different Jackson Pollock, but you are correct. (laughs) But so there's different types of methods you can use. I find the three-point pinch test is fairly accurate. There's a little bit of operator error if you're not pinching, but there's instructional videos on YouTube. Maybe that'd be fun for us to post is is an instructional video of how to do the pinch test correctly. And sometimes you need to flex and then release first, but you have to grab that skin fold. And what you're trying to do is pull the subcutaneous fat layer off the muscle, and then you measure it with the calipers. Now, as far as accuracy, most calipers can be within 98% accurate as like a DEXA scan or some of these really expensive ways. And we found it challenging after the second time. So just pro tip, really remember like exactly where you pinched (laughs) and don't leave any like room for error. Like we followed a a tutorial video and it was like, go like three centimeters above this thing and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Crest. And And we would do it three or four times until it started to match just to make sure we actually got the right spot. Yeah. So if you do it the first time and you do it the second time and there's like a, a, a five millimeter difference, then just wait a minute, start from the beginning. But you're, you want all three results to be within just a couple points and then you average the three. If, if you get two in a row that are the same, that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. If you get three and they're off by increments of five, then I would probably scrap all of that, wait a minute so that the skin could settle back down again and try again. But you take the average of, of the three pinches for each site, which yeah. uh, for men, it's going to be in between the armpit and your nipple. And then it's going to be the love handle. And then it's going to be the mid portion of your quad. Mm-hmm. But there's a bunch of YouTube videos and stuff, and maybe we'll make one and show you how to do it. Yeah. It wasn't bad. Yeah. We did our pinch tests. We got our initial readings. We just did a weigh-in each week. And if I didn't know better, I would have been extremely frustrated and quit early on. I felt the same way. Yeah. I was like, I'm working too damn hard for this scale not to move. Yeah. So I actually went up the first two weeks and I was like, what the heck? We've been working out harder than we've worked out in the past six months. I'm eating better. What is going on? But I knew better because I've done this for 10 years. When you start a more rigorous program than what you've usually done the first six weeks, you're typically going to put on four to six pounds of muscle. And if you're losing less fat than muscle gain, the the scale's going to tell you that you're actually getting worse, but that's not the case. And so I was really pleased that we actually had measurements. We took a before and after picture each month and you could visually see, oh, the shape of the body's changing in a way that's good. My chest is bigger. My stomach is smaller. Screw the scale. Who cares what the scale says? Right. But I think that's a lot of people's metric and they're like, oh, I worked out for a month and it was hard and I didn't lose any weight. What's the point of working out? Yeah, and that's usually where people give up. It's about six weeks. And that's where the ship starts to change. Because at some point, that accelerated muscle growth is going to slow down. Yeah. And you should be losing fat at a little bit quicker rate. But I think it's definitely worth the effort to put in that time to, like, we figured out what my body fat was when we started. And if everything keeps going by the time we finish this, like, I'm going to be at a percentage of body fat that I haven't seen my body at in a while which is I might be able to see like where my abs live or maybe I'll see some (laughs) veins pop out. But I'm what people would put in the category of skinny fat. I got teenage kids. I'm just like, I got the dad bod kind of a vibe going. And I felt like, like I said, we've been working out consistently and I do that for my health. Like I'm not trying to compete or do show muscles or anything, but I feel like we actually made some real progress. Yeah. And I think a big part of it was understanding this time under tension and this eccentric thing Yeah. because it really did, like you said, this is the exercise that creates the micro tears. It did 
create a difference in the tape measure in my arms, in my, at the size of my chest and on my legs. Yeah, and that's just in four weeks. So we're only right. a third of the way through the program. And you can't expect for stuff to change dramatically in four weeks. But what I'm excited about is progress. Like, right. oh, it's heading in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. And I know for me personally, uh, going back to the scale thing, literally from our day one to our day 31 weigh in, I changed 0.1 pounds. Point yeah. one. But when we did the measurements, what we discovered is I'd, I'd put on five pounds of muscle right. and lost 4.9 pounds of fat. That's a 10 pound positive difference in body composition. Yeah. And I wasn't much. Like I think I was two pounds or something. So again, like now I worked really hard for that two pounds, but I think it's just a terrible metric is to just use your weight. <laughs> if that's all there is. Now, if you're significantly overweight, eventually, yes, we want your overall weight to come down. But remember those first four to six weeks, you're going to see an increase in muscle gain if you're not used to strength training or at least not at a high level. Did you know that Fire Within works with companies and organizations that might benefit from a health course? Brandon's health course, Health Transformation, can be applied to your company and custom tailored to meet your company's needs. You could supply it as something from your HR department or just a gift by giving access to everyone in your company to the course. If that's you and you're interested, Go to firewithinnf.com on the homepage. Look for corporate partnerships. Hey, Fire Within Nation. Has this ever happened to you? You go online to find a quick recipe for mashed potatoes, but first you have to hear about Grandfather's Farm in 1929. When I was a boy. <laughs> the first time you had a potato, and like six and a half chapters later, you get to the ingredient list. Tasted like dirt. Drives me nuts. So me and Joe have worked to solve that issue for you. If you head to firewithinnf.com and check out the recipe section, healthy recipes, following the Fire Within way. And it's just the recipe, no blog, you're welcome. You'll find recipes like steak chimichurri. There's a bananas foster smoothie recipe. There's a sourdough French toast. Lots of healthy things. Make your own ranch dip and, and tons more. So head to firewithinnf.com. Check out the recipe section and enjoy. So let's get back to talking more about uh, the eccentric component, what that looks like. And we'll start with our that same analogy so it's easy to follow. So with the bicep curl, isometrically would be holding at about 90 degrees where that's at most tension. We talked about concentrically, which is slowing down the way up for five counts. So eccentric would be the opposite, coming down. So you'd come up in one count and slow it down with control for five counts. And we're about 50% stronger eccentrically than we are concentrically. But so we did that for, for uh, week three was that eccentric component, which really puts a lot more muscle tear, microscopic tears. I'm not talking about tearing your bicep and it like uh, bungee jumping up into your shoulder. That's not the kind right. of tears we're talking about. But, but, but you tough. said three times, three times stronger that way? Or about two times, about 50%. It depends on the study you read. There's tons yeah. of studies. We did more weight for these. Right. Significantly more. Yeah. Just to keep it extra hard. It would have felt like we weren't really doing much if we would have stayed at the weight we did with concentric. Right. Now, an, a more advanced technique could be, uh, some people call them forced eccentrics, where you go to one side at a time and you assist it up with yeah. a non-working hand because concentrically we're not as strong. So right. That way you can expose it to more weight on the way down. So that's another way of overload. We didn't put that into month one. This is more of an intermediate course, not a super, super advanced course. We've done that with pull-ups before too, right? Where you jump up. And right. then you, you go five seconds on the way down. Exactly. And it, it's a way to get the same effort without being able to, I don't know about most people, but it's not easy to just jump up on a bar and pop out 15 pull-ups. Like that's... Not most people. That's not easy. Yeah. So it's a way of training, not just to failure, but through failure safely. 
by using a different method. Now, failure, this is very important. Training uh, a set to failure does not mean the last time you can move the weight from point A to point B. That's how you tear stuff. It's the last time you could move it to point A to point B using the correct form. So if you're, let's say you're doing a bench press and that left shoulder's lifting and you have a leg that's tapping up and down, mm -hmm. stop that rep. Don't complete that rep. You're going to pull your QL and that's going to not go away for six months. And that's going to really suck. So for all your exercises, if you're training to failure and you don't always have to train to failure, most of the time we're not training to excruciating failure. It's submaximal failure, one to two reps before the last one. But if if you are training to failure, make sure it's the last time you can do it with perfect form. Yeah. And for us, we did three sets of what we were working on, I think. Is that what yep. we were doing? And so I just remember a couple of them, like the last set I did 12 or whatever. But it's hard to tell on that first set where you're yeah. going to run out of juice. Yeah. And there'll be some adjusting because we were trying to start with a weight similar to what we can do 10 to 12 with on a regular set without slowing it down. Uh, so there are times we had to adjust up or adjust down. And there's a little bit of wiggle room there. And, and you'll get a feel for it as you get going. Yeah, it did feel like a different kind of training, like comparatively. Let's just talk briefly about the way I felt each week where we were focused on each thing. <laughs> the week where we basically stopped the muscle, and that's training the, the joints. Yeah, that's creating good, more stability around the joint and giving more endurance to the muscle's yeah. ability to contract. That felt really hard in the moment, but didn't leave me like super sore two days. But it was a tough workout. Yeah. And then the concentric kind where we slowed it down on the way up if you're a bicep curl or on the way up if you're bench pressing. I remember that being harder yeah. than the first week. You yeah. Know, like that was more... In terms of residual soreness. Yeah, and residual yeah. soreness. Yeah. And then on the third kind, the eccentric kind, which is the one we just finished most recently that's where i had like that that really sense of muscle tear oh you know how you feel like oh i definitely worked out today like when you're in the shower and you're having a hard time putting on the shampoo kind of yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah and i would be i would expect to be more sore typically from eccentric training everybody's a little different and also hungrier because that all of that micro damage that increased muscle tear is going to release more growth hormone you're going to get more signals to the body that you need more protein and nutrients so typically metabolism and appetite can mm -hmm. go up a little bit. I and mean, it's not a bad idea to increase your protein intake a little more than typical, even a little carbohydrate too, if you're training that way. And your, if your goal is to get more definition or, or bigger, I think that's a something, if it's missing from your workout plan, that could be a comp key component. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so change it up. Don't always do the same thing. And that's what I'm aiming to help people with uh, as we start releasing our courses, our strength training. We have the nutrition one. This is going to be all strength. So hopefully it'll help shake it up with some advice on form and technique and how to do it properly and safety and yeah. instead of just obliterating yourself and going, gains, bro. It's a lot different than like before we started doing this one, I was experimenting with a traditional like five by five, which is just really heavy weight, do five reps wait 90 seconds, do five more, three times or four times per muscle group kind of stuff. And it was easy to remember from a workout standpoint, but after doing that for a couple of weeks, it was one, it was pretty boring. And two, it was, it just got easier and it didn't feel like I was working out as hard. But this was a, this was an interesting format because it was like 40 minutes of workout, which is about what the five by five was, but there was so much more volume on certain days. Like you just were doing so much more. So I felt like it had more cardio to it, but I also did feel like it was more effective in changing up like the main focus every week made it interesting and, uh, yeah. And not so, oh, I wonder what we're doing today. 
<laughs> five by fives again, son of a bitch. <laughs> there sure were a lot of deadlifts in here though. Yeah, yeah. So month one is deadlift heavy. And there's a reason for that. Of any exercise you can possibly do, nothing else targets the just incredible amount of muscle at the same time. Nothing creates as much change. Nothing has as much functional application as a deadlift. Now there's a caveat. If done improperly, it's also the easiest exercise to really damage yourself, especially in the spine. Uh, so form has to be locked down. And if you've had previous lumbar issues and things like that, if you want to check with your doctor, chiropractor, or at least make sure your form is checked out by a qualified professional first. But it's also the one we hated doing the most. We would just cuss at the bar for a few minutes <laughs> before every set. It's because we knew when we started, we were doing 30 of them. <laughs> like I think <laughs> three it's sets just... <laughs> of 10, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's two to three sets. We chose to do more, but you can scale it based on what you have the energy for and where you're at. But man, they're hard. Uh, twice a week in month one, we're doing deadlifts. I think it drops to once a week in month two. Everything structurally changes in month two. Yeah. And just for reference, if you guys are curious, we were doing three of the strength workouts a week and then one day was like a core slash recovery. Yeah. And I think we ended up doing around four yeah, because um, we were able to get challenge weekend before the end of January. So probably, I think we ended up doing about four of the difficult strength ones. Two push, two pull. Good and then. Fun. We didn't start that way, but we graduated that way because we realized this load isn't as bad as we thought. So it will be designed for difficult workouts with one recovery day. So five total days a week. But one of them is no equipment and it shouldn't last more than 20 minutes and 10 of those minutes are spent stretching. Let's talk about, since we're talking about eccentric, a couple different ways to train eccentrically. What, what we did was we did a five count on the eccentric movement for the muscle groups that we were doing. So take, if it was a chest press, you go up and one down in five. If it was a push up, you could even do it with body weight. You come up yeah. in one, come down towards the floor in five. Five slow counts, stretching out the chest and tricep muscle. And um, you know what I found helpful during that too is a, a trick that you told me about or we talked about on the podcast once is if you just think about the muscle group, <laughs> it feels a lot more effective if you're concentrating on where it is. The yeah. other thing that we figured out is if the weight seemed it was a little low, flex the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And that just made it so much harder. <laughs> right. Now going back to that, thinking about the muscle, that's mind-muscle connection. And we've talked about this, I think, on the episode with Jared, but you can contract 17% more of that muscle fiber of the muscle you're thinking about because that's how neurons in our brain work. Yeah. And we're not um, talking about like meditation, guru level of connecting with your body. We're just literally talking about if you're bench pressing, pay attention to your chest. Yeah. And think about those muscles. Yeah. Just pay attention. And make sure that's the prime mover because your triceps could take over a bench bench press and do almost all the work. But if you're focused on initiating the movement with the pectoralis major, that large chest muscle, mm -hmm. and that's what's initiating and you're just following and finishing with the triceps, that's a completely different exercise than leading with the triceps the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah, so thinking about the muscle you're trying to work because your body will take the path, the least resistance. That's what we're naturally designed to do. But when we're training, we're not trying to be efficient all the time. We're right. trying to be as inefficient as possible to really isolate and target a muscle unless it's functional compound movements. And there are some exercises that lend itself to what you were calling like cheating on the way up. Like we could do a lot more curling. If you assisted with your other arm, you could still get the five-second eccentric in, but you like couldn't get back up without right. it. That way you could actually do more time under tension, more weight, 
and therefore feel like he had a more effective workout by doing that little cheating technique. Yeah, so that'd be an example of forced eccentrics. Or you could even just use a little momentum on the curl on the way up if you're really only focused in on that a stretch portion. Um, as long as you're not throwing your back out doing it. Yeah. Um, so safety's, safety second first. <laughs> So we figured out in that workout that we were doing like the time under tension and there was a big difference between eccentric and concentric, wasn't there? In terms of time, it was the same because we were doing five count. Oh, there's um, a big difference between the first one. So isometric was actually longer. It was about 56 seconds of isometric tension versus 50 seconds each set of the eccentric or the concentric in the format we were using. And then we did a challenge day where we just went nuts with time under tension. Oh yeah. So the challenge week, we should talk about that. <laughs> so the fourth and final week, we just had three workouts, one isometric, one eccentric, and one concentric. And instead of dividing it as into four uh, workouts, push, pull, we just did all muscle groups isometrically on the first day. And what we chose to do was hold the contraction for one set, but that one set was a hundred seconds of constant time under tension. And the goal was to take as little amount of breaks as possible. So to just give an example, we did a 45 pound plate on the hips, did a hip bridge and held that top contracted position for a hundred seconds. And we were trying to do a amount of weight where it's like, we could do it in two or three, but it'd be really hard, right? Two or three, maybe maybe take two little breaks, but try to be able to finish the hundred seconds. But some of them, either I bit off too much weight than I was thinking, or it was just tougher than I thought. Some of them I was doing like 10 seconds at a time. I want this to end. Yeah. <laughs> Towards the, especially the triceps, the, the floor skull crushers. Yeah. I took a ton of breaks on that one. So now here's where there was a big difference because of how we chose to do the challenge. So we did just one exercise for a hundred seconds, but you had to complete all hundred seconds before you moved on, on the isometric day. But then we designed the concentric and eccentric workouts to be chipper style. So we pit, we still had every muscle group, so six muscle groups, but you had to do 50 reps of five seconds, eccentric or concentric, depending on the day. So that was 250 seconds of tension per muscle group compared to the 100 seconds on the isometric day. Yeah. And on the chipper style thing, like the weight we did, there was no way we were finishing with two breaks in between. No, it shouldn't have been possible unless you were just way under in weight. I felt like... The muscle groups that I felt super strong in, I could churn out 25 before I needed a break. But like towards the end, it was like I'm eking out five at a time, just yeah. trying to get to my hundred. <laughs> yeah, and and the difference again between the isometric and the chipper challenge, the chipper one you could bounce around. So let's say you got to rep 27 of biceps, you can go do chest or triceps or legs mm -hmm. uh, while that's recovering, and you just went from one exercise to the next. So it's a lot. It's two and a half times the work. However, I thought the isometric day was way harder <laughs> just mentally because you didn't get to bounce around like that. Yeah. So we've got, a, I have a couple clients that, that are beta testing it. And so far, uh, positive reviews and feedback. They're enjoying it. They're feeling a difference and they're all doable within about a 45 minute time span. Yeah. None of them are really tough. Yeah. And this course is going to be called Tempered Steel. Yeah. We were, when we first started, we were like, is this too hard? Because we were like, <laughs> we, we work out pretty regularly. Can people do this? But I think the first week was tough and then it just felt, yeah, that's yeah. what you want. Because you, you work were, out, you want to work out. You don't want to kind of Well, the first out. week tempered you, man. Yeah, that was so, it. It tempered yeah. me. And so, so the whole concept is, you know, to make steel have more strength. It's heated. It's cold. It's heated. It's cold. It's 
messed with and molecularly it becomes stronger. And, and our muscles are the same way. Like we're talking about with the eccentric is breaking down the fiber, heating the metal, making it looser again. And then it's cooled um, and it come, grows back stronger. Yeah. Uh, so I just thought that imagery and that, that analogy was perfect for what we were trying to accomplish with the strength program. And while we're talking about the micro tears, and we talked about it a lot, but just recap, the when you create the micro tears, when they're growing back with proper rest and nutrition, they should grow back stronger. How long should you be sore? Is there a period that's too long where you're like, oop, overworking out, need to stop that? Or, because for me, like on the hard days, I would be more sore the second day, but it was never, I remember when I first started working out with you, there were some days, but four days later, I'm still having a hard time. Yeah. So it's really different for every single individual. Sometimes it has to do with lactic threshold, lactic acid response. I've had clients, I just can't make them sore, which is not the goal. That's never the goal. But some people, it's the same day. I don't want people still sore from the same workout four to five days later. I think that's probably close to too much. You should be recovering in one to two, maybe three days for the most part. And if you're taking longer, there's probably a lot that you could pay attention to that would really help out. Sleep being a big one. Your nervous system's not recovering. It could be nutrition. It could be there's too many other stresses in your life that aren't physical. That's not allowing the nervous system to respond well to that type of training. Yeah. So like literally being stressed out about work can affect how long it takes you to recover from being sore. That's correct. Because any stressors can attack the adrenal system, the thyroid. So, you know, on a thyroid blood marker sheet, one of the hallmark symptoms is poor wound healing. So that could be, it's the same thing for recovering from a strength workout. Yeah. But that being said, there's also supplements out there that can help that are like L-glutamine. L-glutamine could almost speed up the process by cutting it in half, which is an amino acid or a protein that helps muscles recover. Yeah, it's super affordable. I bought a bag of it on Amazon and I put the tiny scoop that they tell you to put in as the serving size into a smoothie. You can't taste it. Just kind of dissolves. And the other benefits of L-glutamine is it repairs the lining of the small intestines. So it stops leaky gut from all those harmful proteins and things like that. But we'll keep this mostly strength today. But that does help. And then making sure you have enough protein, carbohydrate, water is the most, one of the most important things. And then sleep is the most important. Because when you're awake, you're not building muscle. You're still breaking down. You've got to be in deep sleep. That's when the body is releasing growth hormone for growth and repair. All right, so that's a pretty good overview of a couple different techniques you can use with an emphasis on eccentric. I wanted to emphasize that because studies show it's the most effective way to grow muscle faster. It's even helpful in injury recovery, such as Achilles issues, calf issues, and things like that. So we wanted to highlight that, and we definitely wanted to make that a part of the course so people can get some results a little bit faster using a safe, tried-and-true technique. Yeah. And if you follow Fire Within on social media, we've been churning out a good amount of content, sharing recipes, videos, etc. And if you want to get like a recap every week, you can subscribe for what is called Refuel, which is a weekly newsletter. You can go to either the recipe section of the website and a little pop up will happen or you can click on the mm. homepage to sign up for Refuel and you'll get a, a recap, a weekly recap just real quick. Hey, here was the podcast and what we talked about. Here's what went on social media. Here's the video and any other Fire Within news. And uh, we just want to say thanks for all you guys that joined. The list has doubled recently and we're excited about the growth. So we're happy that you guys are finding it valuable. 
Yeah, tripled since uh, the beginning of December. Root, root, woot, woot. So hopefully you guys are getting lots of good value. Now, if you find value from the podcast, please, on the Apple Podcast, make sure you give us a five-star review. That really helps other people find the show and have access to life-changing information. We've had some viewers actually write in saying what a difference it's made and uh, either helping their family members with diabetes and overcome all kinds of stuff. So that makes us feel really good that what we're doing is making a difference. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, go check us out at firewithinnf.com and sign up for Refuel, a weekly email with recipes, videos, and tips to stoke the fire within. Also, you can join the Fire Within community by being added to our Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on social media.